What did he tell you? Well, he said that when he hit a rough patch, you kind of bailed on him and, and uh, you never called him again. He did not say that. He said I bailed on him? Yeah. I was like a bounty hunter trying to get a hold of him. <laughs> I called his house. I looked for his address. He owes me a call. I think he might be right. Well, you know, he's, he's backstage. Who he is? Is he really? Johnny Drama's backstage? Well, bring him out because I'd love to clear this up. Is he is he around? Is he really backstage? I do want to say just really quick. Um, I hope my... it's an apology that you're making me watch this fucking show. <laughs> oh, I think I, I was. Wait, I was I, the one who suggested yeah, it. I'm sorry. Whose suggestion <laughs> was this? You know what? I watched one episode and thought I could handle it, but when you said the whole season, I was like, oh, it's no big deal. That one episode wasn't so bad. <laughs> Watching the whole thing was kind of a nightmare. Uh, my, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this mm -hmm. one, uh, the, I mean, I have a lot to say. We're gonna get to it. Yeah, but the other thing before we start, yeah, I just want to reinforce, this was your suggestion. You texted me and you said, uh, we should do an Entourage episode. I did. Uh, and I had said, let's never, I, I've never seen Entourage. So yeah, that sounds great. And now we're here. And now we're here. And how do you feel after all I, of it? I feel so, uh, like here's the tough part for me <laughs> is all of the other stuff we've watched that is bad. I had to press play once and... Yeah. And just okay. rip the band-aid off. And okay. this, I had to press play eight times. I had to, <laughs> each individual episode, I watched 30 minutes, and then, before the next episode started, I had to stop and be like, it was doing the podcast a good idea. <laughs> just like not even just this episode just like the whole podcast like the whole podcast what, what are we doing with and, our lives kind of thing and you know <laughs> I, I sent you the photo of this but like i was i guess two weeks ago now <laughs> i was watching this i was i had to travel for work so i was in arizona uh sitting in my hotel room um taking notes on the marriott courtyard stationery oh my god uh, <laughs> which i have now in front of me oh um, my lord and i'm my just lord. i'm filled with so much regret and <laughs> sadness and the other thing sorry the we'll actually like do the intros and stuff in a second but the other sure. thing <laughs> the other thing is you know my first thought i'm gonna tell you my first two thoughts watching the series okay okay sure my first thought was <laughs> who the hell thought this was a good idea to just have a show about like who the hell moves to la and is like i'm gonna run this city this is my moment and i'm gonna listen to crappy mainstream hip-hop from 2002 <laughs> and, hey and hey hey don't awesome. diss don't diss jay-z's black album because that is a great album it is a great album it was his last good album and that was what the song played at the end of the opening credits of the pilot or no yes. the ending credits of the pilot so yes. When we say crappy hip hop, you don't mean Jay Z's Black Album. No. Um, Thank God. So, or else I would have to quit. Who thought? <laughs> who thinks like that? Who is like, man, my life is so surreal and cool, and look at me looking out over this balcony, uh, l bumping some 
some extremely <laughs> conventional, just anything I could turn on the radio and hear. And then my second thought watching this series was, oh no. Because <laughs> that was me in like 2011. I know. I was going to say, this all sounds like you, little buddy. Yeah. So, uh, so as much as I hated staring into the yawning void at the center of this show... Uh, Mm -hmm. what made it all the worse was the fact that I know that there is some of this yawning void within my own soul. (laughs) Anyways, would you like to do the intro? (laughs) I would would love to do the intro. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts as well. Um, uh, Let me tell you my two thoughts before we do the intro. My first thought was, oh God. I didn't have any explanation. It was just immediately, oh God. It was everything. (laughs) Just, oh God. Just from the opening credits, you were like, wait a second. No, you know what? The opening credits, I got to say, watching them eight times, it grew on me. I liked it. I also, like, recognized a lot of the places that were in the show in general. But in the opening credits, it's your first kind of exposure to it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's all, like, Hollywood Boulevard stuff. Yeah, that's great. I've spent a lot of time on Hollywood Boulevard doing shitty improv shows. I've never been on this side of it, but it's still cool. But my second thought was... Who watched this? <laughs> I don't... I, but the answer I, is Jesus. everybody. Everybody watched it! And everybody, everybody loved watched it. it! Everybody loved the show, man. You know what? I, I have more to say. I have more to say. And you know, I'm, I, I think we should break from structure today. And we don't have to go scene by scene. Because there's so much ground no. to cover. There's too much. There's too much. Uh, yeah. But I, I'll do the intro. I just okay. want to say I didn't hate it. And, oh, I and hated it. I know, but I didn't. And well, I think this is going to be a wild one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right, uh, here we here go. Here we go. BFF, Tony Ginocchio. Hey, Nadia. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. So, Nadia, I've given it some thought. Um, mm-hmm. I think you are the Vince of our two-person friend group. Oh, my God! Who are you? I guess E? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not proud of that. E isn't a bad character. Kevin Connolly is just a bad actor. Oh! That, okay, so that's an interesting... So the hot takes are starting right away. The hot takes are starting right away. Well, okay, uh, I appreciate that, but I want to understand why. I'm, why am I the Vincent Chase? Uh, I I thought wa- of, I've always thought of myself as a, as a Jeremy Piven type, but I'm not an agent in real life. But I, uh, I'm, I'm as wild and bombastic at times. Um, I think we all, I think, well, I mean, you know, if we're being honest, um, there, there's a little piece of each of the main five in all of us. Folks, we're watching Entourage today. Uh, we're watching Entourage today. Uh, and Nadia and I actually, we went, we went back and forth. Oh, God. We went You're going to have to, like, ba- edit out, like, the three minutes of laughing I just did. No, I'm keeping <laughs> it all in. We went back and forth on 
actually which episodes of Entourage to watch yeah. um, a little bit. And what we landed on, which I think was the right decision, what we landed 100%. on is we watched... Yeah. yeah, we watched all of season one. So that's eight episodes that originally aired in HBO uh, on HBO in 2004, created by Doug right. Ellen. Um, the and of course, executive produced by Mark Wahlberg. We'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> I think season one was the right decision, Nadia, because uh, I think in certainly around the time the movie came out in like 2014, I think this show was kind of more of a punchline among certain folks that, you know, we follow or, or respect in comedy. Um, but when this show first started, the reception was nothing short of just rapturous. Everybody oh, watched yeah. it. Everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. It propelled the career of especially Jeremy Piven to the top. Like, these guys immediately became A-list guys. None of the women, though, became A-listers. Oh, sorry. Are there women in this show? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll get to that because I have some thoughts. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, 2004, I guess there was a need about a need for a show about male friendship because this is what the theme is set to have been on the Wikipedia page, which made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> male friendship and the Hollywood lifestyle. The wild part about this is, obviously, it's 2004. This is post-9-11. 9-11, you can arguably say, was the catalyst for celebrity culture in our country to go wild. I've written an academic paper about it, and I'm happy to post it on our Facebook so you guys can read about celebrity culture post-9-11. Uh, I, I, mean, I didn't know you wrote that. I actually would very much like to read it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote... One about uh, Nick Carter, and okay. one about Harry, the Harry Potter subculture, and okay. one of my papers is also about uh, how celebrity culture took over American culture after 9-11, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the news cycle was insane and horrible, and there was a lot of gruesome shit on TV, the war on terror, quote-unquote, was happening, and uh, the Americans were really trying to escape from this all of this shit that was bombarding them. And around this time, obviously, the internet was getting very uh, popular, and so was Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, anybody who could be seen on PerezHilton.com. So why, the reason why this show was probably so popular was because it was playing into our culture of like really wanting to get into the celebrity. What is it like to be famous? What is it like to work with all of these legends? Uh, what is it like to have a lot of money? Uh, you know, all of this stuff. And, and because all these girls who were like, you know, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears was having her meltdown around this time. It was about hot girls. It was about uh, paparazzi. And Mark Wahlberg was probably like, I live this and I'm going to make money off of this. And I think that's how this got made. It wouldn't have worked at any other time but this time. I agree with that. Um, the show started, uh, basically the idea for the show came from Wahlberg's assistant, uh, who oh. basically saw Wahlberg and his friends, uh, hanging out together and said, I should film you guys, you guys are hilarious, which is literally a conversation everybody in LA has had at least eight times, 
and it's I terrible. think we've had it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've definitely had it. That's why we made this podcast. That, yeah, how do you think we got here? <laughs> but, so, I will say, you know, the assistant said, I should film you and your friends. You guys are hilarious. However, the, uh, the person, Donnie Carroll on whom Turtle is based, claims it was his original idea, which is the is least surprising turtle. thing I'm going to say that in this episode. That is such a turtle thing. <laughs> God, um, I hate Turtle. <laughs> the success of this show cannot be overstated. This kept the lights on at HBO. It was nominated for 26 primetime Emmys over I like that eight deep, deep seasons. sigh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Eight seasons. 26. Jeremy Piven, uh, in particular, was nominated four seasons in a row for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy and won three times. He won wow. three times. You know so, what? I'm not going to hate on Jeremy Piven. He was fantastic. For playing, I think, maybe the most repulsive character in all of television. <laughs> you know what? I didn't watch epi- or season two through seven, but the first season, I didn't hate it. The, I didn't hate his character. I thought he was great. I did look up who he, <laughs> who he actually beat for the Emmys. Who did he beat? Um, who did he beat? So in 06, uh, he was up against John Cryer for Two and a Half Men, who okay. would win in later years. Gross. Uh, he was up against Sean Hayes for Will and Grace. Oh, shit. Yeah, who are who are good actors, but the next two I'm going to list I think are much better. Uh, Will Arnett for Arrested <gasps> Development. Are you kidding uh, me? For playing, you know, one of the best TV characters of the 21st century in Joe God Bluth. Bluth. No, uh, God And then, yeah, and, <laughs> and then fucking Brian Cranston for Malcolm in the Middle. What? Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Lost oh to Jeremy Pittman. Um, in 2007 and 2008, he was up against uh, the same lineup both years. Uh, John Cryer was uh, still nominated. Rain Wilson for The Office. Um, yeah. Rain Wilson uh, Neil... and Steve Carell should have won. I'm just saying. Uh, Steve Carell <laughs> was nominated for Leading Actor. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I just like to name off people who I wish had Emmys, and that is Steve Carell, Rain Wilson, and Jane Krakowski. <clears throat> Sorry, Jane yeah. Krakowski. Yes. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was nominated in 07 and 08 for How I Met Your Mother. Um, Ugh, and then, okay. And then Kevin Dillon uh, in Entourage was also nominated in 07 and 08. And I think he oh, actually wow. was much better than Jeremy Piven. Um, so Kevin Dillon was nominated three times for the same award. The show also was nominated for 14 Golden Globes, including Outsta- Outstanding Comedy Series every single season. Jeremy wow. Piven was nominated for Best Supporting Actor Golden Globe every single season. Uh, it has been nominated for every Guild Award multiple times, so SAG, DGA, PGA, WGA, and in 2008, it won a motherfucking Peabody Award <laughs> for what? excellence in broadcasting. Are yes. you serious, dude? Uh, I, I am dead serious. Wow. This is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> to uh, just briefly touch on uh, the five principles uh, in the show, each of them is based on a real person or an amalgam right. of real people. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we'll dive into each character more in a little bit, but, but Vincent is based, of course, on Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, just as a reminder, uh, was cited for a civil rights violation at age 15 for following a group of black school children uh, on the street, throwing rocks at them and screaming the N-word. He also thinks 9-11 wouldn't have happened if he had been on the plane. 
And uh, the best story, of course, he was charged with attempted murder at age 17 uh, for beating up two Vietnamese men. He thought he blinded one of them for many years. It turns out the guy was already blind. So the story oh, is he beat God. up a blind guy. Oh, uh, God. So that's Vince. I didn't know that. I just thought it was one guy and then it's two guys and one of them's blind. And now I just, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's two Even guys. Nan, nan, uh, I'm going to butcher these names. Tnan, Lam, and Hoa Trin. E is based on uh, an amalgam of Eric Weinstein, uh, who is Wahlberg's friend and executive producer, and Steven Levinson, who is Wahlberg's manager. Uh, Drama, I thought, was based on Donnie Wahlberg. He's not. Um, No, he's based based... on Johnny Drama himself. Yes, Johnny Drama Alves, who's Mark Wahlberg's cousin, who Donnie hired to keep Mark out of trouble. Um, Turtle is Donnie hired. Donnie the... Wahlberg and Noob Kids on the Block. Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, this is so wild. Uh, Turtle is based on uh, a guy who went by the name Donkey, whose real name is Donnie Carroll. Uh, yeah. He, he tried out peace. for the role, actually, of Turtle. Uh, oh. He didn't get it, and then later he died of asthma. And then uh, Ari uh, is, of course, based on an actual agent at William Morris named Ari Emanuel. Uh, and my friends in Chicago uh, already know that his brother is the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, who is also a piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't know any of this. This is so wild. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, also, one of the characters, I think in season two or three, named Maury Chaikin, uh, is actually uh, based on Harvey Weinstein. So these are the people oh, there you go. that Mark Wahlberg is surrounded by. So if that's any indication of what this show is like, for those who actually haven't seen it before this episode uh, is released, maybe don't watch it. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with talking about this. Okay, like, I first want to, I would love to know what you expected. Because you I... hadn't seen it before. I had not seen it before, and I felt it was going to be... Like, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew that. (laughs) I did not expect just the level of existential emptiness that I would feel (laughs) um, watching this. Okay, here's... I spent... Uh, I spent a while trying to come up with a simile to describe this show, and I finally landed on one, so let me know what you think of this. Okay, sure. Watching this show... Watching this show felt like uh, jerking off to the Sports <laughs> Illustrated swimsuit issue um, after, like, internet porn was invented. Like, <laughs> like you shouldn't be doing I, it because there's better options. Right. Like, I yeah. get that it's supposed <laughs> to be, like, some sort of attractive fantasy wish fulfillment of what it's like to be rich and famous, but it is such a stupid depiction of what comes with being rich and famous yeah um the biggest conflict in the first season is vince trying to get scarlett johansson's number right and like just (laughs) the final shot of every episode is just like the four the four boys uh sometimes the five of them if um jeremy piven's there the four boys are, like, looking out over a balcony or looking at the Pacific or looking at the other Spanish-style roofs in their Hollywood Hills neighborhood and being like, this is wacky, man. Like, it's just that. 
Um, there's, Sponsored by Buzzweiser. Like, yeah, it's just Budweiser. like... Budweiser. I can't speak there's, today. <laughs> there's so many dumbass celebrity cameos that are supposed to be funny. But um, Tony, are you saying there are dumbass celebrity cameos because you're a little bit bitter about that they got really good people on a shitty show? <laughs> I mean... Let, can we be honest? They got really good I, people. Every episode had a guest star that was incredible. It was Jessica Alba, Larry David made a cameo, uh, Gary Busey, Val Kilmer, these great people. And you're just like, oh, these like wacky guest stars. But are you saying that it was wacky and shitty because you're bitter that they're good actors are on this shitty show? <laughs> okay, when you say good actors, like... Gary Busey went- is a great actor. You went downhill on that list real fast. <laughs> Just like, how can you say bad actors? Jessica Alba's in this. Jessica Alba has been handed a difficult card because she's a hot lady and she can dance really well, but they wouldn't let her be anything else. Massage. Uh, there's just like this whole... I like defending Entourage. This is... Who am I? <laughs> the... The treatment of women in this series is not even uh. offensive. It's just, it's just lazy. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's so okay. So what I'm gonna say, you should not take as a complaint, but there is no nudity in this show in the first season until like episode eight. Right. Well, no, episode five. It was. There's the a best. shot of the woman's butt, right? Yeah, yeah, but titties. We're talking yeah, titties. Yeah, there's no, there's no titties in the season. <laughs> I like how you got quiet. Are you worried I, that yeah, your wife was around? <laughs> I, I say, I say titties like someone's aunt says uh, black. So there's no. <laughs> no! Everyone has that aunt. Don't message us about this. Everyone has uh, that. The, so there's, there's no titties in this episode, in this season, <laughs> until episode eight. The yeah. entire, it's like, it's HBO, like. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever the hell you want, and we can just show the most decadent, insane wish fulfillment. And we're just showing, like, very skinny women in jeans and halter tops. Yeah, no, well, we're talking early 2000 jeans and halter tops, so we're talking really low-rise pants, uh, high-rise shirts. Everyone kind of looked like Britney Spears. It was uh, a little wild, and... Uh, it's, it doesn't hold up as far as fashion. I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking in 2004? Yeah. So wait, before we go on, yeah, we have to go through what the show is about. For those who haven't watched it, Entourage is a show about Vinny Chase, Vincent Chase. Uh, he is a very famous, very good-looking it man, it guy. He's leading all these great movies, and he has an entourage, which includes his brother, Johnny Drama, his driver and basically gopher turtle and his manager e who has only been a manager for a sabaro and another restaurant or is it just the restaurant is sabaro the restaurant is sabaro so hilarious hilarious and uh so they kind of go through a lot of wacky adventures in trying to get vincent his next hit so the the whole season from start to finish is him doing press for the current movie and him trying to find the next movie uh it's only eight episodes it's really not that terrible it's okay hard to sit through so hel- help me out here nadia because you've already rushed to this show's defense like four times <laughs> uh, uh, what 
what is it about this show and in particular this season um that you enjoyed i think it's easy tv i i think it was it's a good way to forget your troubles and just concentrate on a couple of idiots doing a couple of stupid things and despite the horrific misogyny and overall just bad writing it's pretty entertaining and certain characters keep me watching and i think that's where i think they got stuff right is uh johnny drama unfortunately Johnny is... drama is like somebody that they just kind of tear down the entire time but you just really want him to succeed and i think that him and jeremy piven's performance as an actor like not as like a character i just like watching his actors work it's just it keeps me keeps me going everything yeah. else is kind of like meh <laughs> Jo- johnny drama it. is great yes um, i think he's a great character i love any character that is just unapologetically extremely dumb yes and and he doesn't mean well yeah i mean he doesn't so... mean he means well he means very well yes he's yeah. he's very sweet um he cares very much about his brother he's just a dumbass and it's very funny it's the same reason i like joey tribbiani so much as a character yeah they're not great people but they're great to watch yeah i think um if i were to use a contemporary example like um jason mendoza in the good place yeah uh, totally great example of that character as well yeah i like that the show i like the show is is low stakes and I like that they're giving certain characters room to grow. Obviously, certain characters don't grow at all, like Vince. Well, right, and that that's interesting. So I guess, uh, so I guess the thing about Vince is <laughs> let's talk um, about Vince. Vin- yeah, let's talk about Vince. So Vince is the the main character in the show. Uh, Adrian, how do you pronounce the actor's last name? Is it Grenier? Grenier. Grenier. Yes. Grenier. Grenier. He, he was uh, m- known for Drive Me Crazy with Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, okay. Uh, he, was a, he was a big heartthrob at the time. I remember a lot of my friends having his picture in their lockers. Yeah, and he's clearly a very pretty man. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but, uh, you know, his character, uh, you know, he got these great acting gigs. He moved from Queens to L.A. He brought three of his friends with him. Yeah, but I just want to also point out that the pilot, he had a Boston accent, and, <laughs> and then lost and then, it, uh, and then they said that yeah. he was from Queens. So I don't know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> His character, I guess, the funny thing about him is he is just completely vapid. Um, like, he, he doesn't even read the scripts that he's supposed to be reading. He doesn't seem to care very much about his career. And he is kind of always throughout going like, ah, if it doesn't work out, whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. we can always just move back to Queens. What the hell? Um, yeah, so I, it's interesting. I, un- I understand that that is structured like a joke. However. Oh, it's I supposed to be? I think so. Oh, I just thought he was there to, like, annoy everybody else. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, and that's the other, that's the other very funny thing, is it's very grating to the other characters, particularly E and particularly Ari, who are supposed to, you know, actually shepherd his career along and make him a star. Um, but he just kind of keeps falling ass backwards into good things and not worrying too much about anything. Like I said, the biggest conflict Vince goes through 
in the entire season is, uh, he's, you know, it'd be nice if he could get Scarlett Johansson's number. Can somebody hook him up with that? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't and, know. And what, what I do think, you think he goes he goes through uh, a couple of self discovery moments, if you want to call it this. If we want to go deep, which I this do not want to call not, it that. This show does not go deep, so I don't really know what to call it when you're at like a level of just complete idiocy. But uh, his whole thing is that he isn't worried about a hit. He's more worried about doing good shit and finding his opus. He's. Tr- I think what they're trying to do is establish that he is the Mark Wahlberg that was Marky Mark until he got Boogie mm-hmm. Nights. Like, I feel like they're alluding yes. to him being a heartthrob, but wanting him to be serious. But he doesn't actually say it out loud. He doesn't say, like, I'm looking for my Boogie Nights or whatever. But yeah. He wants something that puts him on the map as a real actor and not just a pretty face. Yes. And that that actually is a very interesting conflict. But they never explore yeah. it. Yeah. I don't I don't think they really <laughs> do it justice in this show. No, I think no. Yeah, I think the the tug of war between being a commercial success and, and being more uh, respected as an artist could be a very interesting topic for an HBO right. show. Right, <laughs> but they didn't However, choose that route. <laughs> right. uh, by the way, just real quick on Boogie Nights, uh, Mark Wahlberg said in an interview this year that he deeply regrets doing that film. <laughs> well, you know what? Fuck Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> you know what's really funny? I was thinking in the shower the other day, it's where I get all my good ideas. I was like, what if I start getting a lot of work and I start moving my way up as an actor, producer, writer, whatever it is, and I run into Mark Wahlberg and he'd listen to this episode of the podcast. I'm DMing it to him once we're done. <laughs> and he'd be like, you called me a piece of shit because <laughs> I was totally ready to call him a piece of shit. And before we pressed record, I had to say, don't call Mark Wahlberg a piece of shit just in case. Just, just cats out of the bag. But I think Mark Wahlberg is a piece of shit. This is gonna come back to haunt me somehow. Just gonna do it. It's like (laughs) Nadia, we landed you uh, role of a lifetime. Here's the thing: you're gonna act opposite Jeremy Piven. Uh, (laughs) And I have nothing but nice things to say about Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven's like, it's so nice to meet you, Nadia. It's great. We need to talk about your friend Tony. You're not allowed to come to set, Tony. Jeremy Piven's mad. <laughs> but um, I do want to talk about Vince and um, and the ladies because uh, the ladies keep throwing themselves at Vince throughout the series. Um, I don't think anyone who worked on this show in any capacity has ever <laughs> fucked. Uh, just, just based on oh, what I'm turtle. seeing. They're all turtle. Right, they're all turtle. Turtle clearly has never fucked. No. And, and just like, oh, man, there's this chick, and look at her. She's in a bikini, and that's, that's like, it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or they, there's a, a character in, played by Le- Leighton Meester. What's her name? From Gold, Gossip Girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leighton Me- yeah. I for, I'm sorry I butchered your name, girl. You were really good in that one show with Adam Pally where you do time travel. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good show. Sorry. That was a great show. I'm, I'm, uh, may, it, may it rest in peace. Anyway, she is this, like, Britney Spears-type virgin singer that they, like, don't believe. That's her whole thing. Yeah, they, like, don't believe she's a virgin. And she makes a few appearances throughout the season, and you think that something's going to happen between them, but, like, they never 
come back to her? Well, I don't there understand. There, yeah, there's a there's an episode where Vince is on, so Vince is on Big Boy's show on Power 106. Um, <laughs> Uh, of course. Which I appreciated because uh-huh. I uh, I was a fan of Big Boy's show when I was, lived in L.A. But there's a – where he goes on Big Boy's show and Big Boy's like – because he has a movie coming out that night. It's opening night. Um, Big Boy is like, hey, you got a, a date for the premiere? And Vince is like, no, man, I don't. And Big Boy's like, we're going to find you a date. And, they, you know, they punch up the, the virgin singer, Leighton Meissner, or whatever her name is. I'm going to butcher her name too. Sorry, Leighton. Leighton. Whatever. Leighton uh, Meissner. So, Thank you. And she's married to Adam Brody, another heartthrob of the time. No kidding. Yeah, is that sweet? Huh. Love is real. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so they like um, get together for a date for the uh, premiere, and then there's um, I, I think it's a different episode, but there's another episode where they like go to a club together or something like that, and uh, and they you know um, Vince like tries to in in one of the rare instances where he seems to care what another person thinks or does mm-hmm. he tries to get to the bottom of like so you know what's up with this whole uh, virgin thing uh and you know she she kind of gives some sort of excuse for like you know i want my first time to be with the right person and then she was like but i would have blown you real good or something no she said she like leaned into his ear and said something that is could only have been written by a man Nobody ever speaks this way. She went, goes up to his ear and says, I would have given you the best head you've ever had. And then she walked away. Is the, like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, is this what guys think that girls do? None of them fuck on this show, so. <laughs> I don't think any woman has ever used the word head. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. I just, like, I'm sorry, I'm putting that out there, folks. Uh, <laughs> I do not think that that has happened ever. Yeah, that was stupid. And then um, and then he had another girlfriend uh, who I want to call out. This is the, like, the vegan yoga um, granola-type lady um, mm-hmm. who, uh, like, they, ha- they try to have, like, tantric sex at one point. They, you know, she, like, teaches Vince how to do yoga, and he really enjoys it, and that starts to get Turtle worried, because yoga's gay, yo, and, uh, they, (laughs) you know, so, so, uh, they, oh, they, she also is getting, she's vegan, and so she starts throwing away other people's food inside of Vince's house, and they all live there, which, I, I mean, I'm vegan, I'm not gonna go throw away your food, because that's your food, but, like, they may, again, written by a man who just believes that, like, women be crazy, and <laughs> they'd be throwing away steaks, and, uh, besides that, she also reads the scripts that yes. E yes. gives Vince to read, and because Vince, like, never in this season reads a script. I don't know if that's, like, a trait that Mark Wahlberg also has, and so they had to put that in there, and it's, like, this really hilarious inside joke with that crew, but it makes me, an actor, really upset that he doesn't read any of the scripts, and he has his girlfriend read it, and she's like, yeah, it's the best script, like, I've ever read. Yeah, the thing Who about, are you? The thing about <laughs> Vince, guys, so he... He does not read any of his scripts. He doesn't seem to do any real work to become a better actor. No. Um, Johnny Drama just... does. Johnny Drama goes to class. Johnny Drama does monologues. Johnny, Johnny Drama, Drama runs lines. Johnny Drama is working his ass off. 
Johnny Drama understands, as I texted you this morning, that Hollywood is about hustle but also grind, and he uh, he is just on top of his shit all the time. He found a way to get on Kimmel's show. You know, we'll we'll get we'll get to drama in a second. Here's the thing: Vince is pretty. He's dumb. He just falls ass backwards into success for no reason. To that extent, this is a very accurate depiction of how Hollywood works. Absolutely, a hundred percent. It is pretend and nothing matters. Yes, yes, <laughs> and and people put a lot of importance on it. You know, the hardest part about watching the show for me, besides the really hilarious like brother bear marquee on Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> <laughs> and like all the other. <laughs> other dated references besides all of that it was just how accurate all of it was and how anxious I got yeah because it's all about who you know and all the connects and I would say like that part is probably fairly accurate about how most people in the industry are either assholes or idiots and then there's like some people who are cool and then you're like oh I like this character and they never come back but the the crazy part is that I got really anxious because I kept thinking I'm going to be like Johnny Drama. <laughs> I'm going to have to be a waiter for the rest of my life. You know, it, it, it really plays up the anxiety of a working actor and someone who hasn't made it versus Vince who has everything and doesn't appreciate it. Yes. So that dynamic is, I think, another thing that kind of kept me interested. But I'm thinking too deep. I had to put on my, like, bro cap before putting this on, and I had to be like, all right, I'm going to go buy a Bud Light, and I'm going to get some chips, and I'm going to stick my hand down my pants, and I'm going to watch this show. And I didn't do a lot of those things. But, like, I really tried to, to, to really get it. And with Vince's character, it's him living out the dream of what people think Hollywood is, which is you fuck a lot of chicks, you get people buying you stuff all the time. All you do is smoke weed and drink with your buddies and, like, golf off of your roof. And it's great. Also, the golf off of your roof scene, which they do in both episodes one and eight, I believe, <laughs> um, they're, they're, like, they're driving golf balls off the roof and, like, aiming for other people's houses. They're in the Hollywood Hills. And they're like, oh, there's Pierce Brosnan's house. That's worth 20 <laughs> points. And then they point to another one. And they're like, or you can try to hit Ed Begley Jr.'s house. And I love I love the idea that Pierce Brosnan and Ed Begley Jr. have had identical levels of success that have allowed them to purchase homes in the uh, same neighborhood. It is so <laughs> wild. The, the, the cool part about it is the, like, this is what it's like when you don't have to get up every day and do a nine to five. But yeah. is it realistic? Absolutely not. I'm sure this is not how it is. But it, it, you know, people could think that Mark Wahlberg fucks this much and, you know, does all the things that he does. But nobody ever asks Vince, like, hey, man, like, are you really happy? Like, what are your goals? Like, spiritually, how are you doing? He just is like, it is what it is. He gets $4 million a movie and everyone else just like laughs. Like it's the, the stakes are so low. Incredibly low. I did not think you could make a television show with stakes this low. And it was so famous. Like Game of Thrones is a huge show, but the stakes are so fucking high and everybody's always like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? But I don't think anyone asks like, hey, what's going to happen on Entourage? They're just like, I'm going to pass the time watching Entourage. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's, that's fair. I mean, I, I get what you say. I, I also, like, tried to put my bro cap on, 
and then <laughs> obviously I turned my bro cap, the brim of it, like 15 degrees to my right. Right. Uh, you know, so I could get the that oblique angle on it. When that didn't um, work, I went all the way to the back, and that didn't help. Um, but I just, you know, it's tough to... I suppose compared to most of the other characters on the show, Vince is certainly easy to like. Um, he's a yeah. little he's a little frustrating in the sense that um, he just isn't invested in anything. Yeah. Uh, and things just come to him very easily. But again, I think, you know, that could be a, a realistic depiction of Hollywood. Um, then uh, you take kind of the next, char- the next character I'd like to talk about, which is E., uh, and, uh, I hate this guy. <laughs> what the fuck is this? What, yeah, I wrote a very emotional outline for this episode. <laughs> um, uh, e, e is played by Kevin Connolly. There are is... two principals in the show that are named Kevin. Just Yes, Kevin yeah. Connolly specifically is the red-headed little guy. Uh, he is... Vince's manager, or really his best friend from home who's pretending to be his manager. That's, yes, exactly. Who just is having to deal with the daily frustrations of Vince. And Vince, I'm sorry, E also has a couple of problems. The first problem is is that Ari, who is Vince's uh, agent, doesn't take him seriously as a businessman, doesn't take him seriously as a manager. And Vince also, in a way, doesn't take him seriously. Exactly. His second problem is that two different women want to fuck him, which is how not is that realistic. possible? <laughs> how is that realistic? How is that? The E's main season one arc is he kind of falls for Ari's assistant Emily, who was played by Anna from The OC. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, so many OC connections. I know. I love. I love it. I love it. It was two thousand four. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, and then he also has an ex um, that he's still close with. Who is played by uh, one of the actresses from the Judd Apatow uh, beloved but canceled series, Undeclared. Oh yeah, that's right. You have a good eye for these things. I I am like a little walking IMDb. Uh, But the crazy part is, I just want to say, the the two women that they have here, uh, Anna from the OC and that one chick from Undeclared, they have roles on arguably the biggest show on tv and i still don't know their names no which just goes to show how they treat women on the show and also i guess on the cast it's um i think well the assistant's name is emily um i know that because i had a mnemonic where i was like what's that girl's name oh e's dating her emily starts with e there you go there you go this is how i watch tv and then (laughs) i think his ex was named Kristen yes. or Kirsten. It was I'm Kristen. Not, I'm yeah. not 100% sure. E basically does all the work that Vince is supposed to do. Right. He reads the scripts. Right. He takes meetings with Ari. Yeah. He ultimately is trying to find a direction for Vince's career to go. And so E is very... The thing I do like about him is that he's very honest and he'll be like, yo, the script that yeah. they want you to do is a piece of shit. Don't do it. And he'll be like, and Vince will take his word for it because he's an idiot and doesn't read it himself. But he stands for his convictions, which is, you know, from the Queen's streets. So you know that he has Vince's back, not because he wants money from Vince, but because he wants what's best for Vince. So I get that part of how, what they're trying to communicate. The other interesting thing is that um, 
Vince, basically at the end of the season, Vince books a role in like uh, an indie auteur type movie. Basically, right. like in in the director uh, of this movie is made up, but could be like seen as a Paul Thomas Anderson, like right. you know, very very idiosyncratic. Um, very, like, high-profile but low box-office type of director. Um, and Vince is only getting paid um, 60 grand for this indie film right. where, you know, he's used to making millions for each movie he does, and E is really conflicted about this. Um, and so he is... He confronts Vince about this, and he's like, you know, we're not... Like, is this really what you want to do? There's a lot of risk to this, especially if it flops. Plus, you know, there was a storyline where there was a scene, a gay scene, a gay sex scene in the movie, um, and uh, everybody was worried about how that would affect Vince's image. Um, so Ian Vince butt heads a lot, sort of. Not a, no, not really. Ian Vince don't butt heads that much. They disagree on some things. E butts heads with Ari all right. the time. Right. Um, now... I'm still not 100% straight on the difference between an agent and a manager. I think one of them is more involved in production. It doesn't really matter how you <laughs> pretend. Uh, <laughs> but. Well, an agent, uh, an agent is kind of the one that establishes relationships with other people for the actor, and the manager establishes a relationship, establishes a relationship with the actor, and then finds things for them. Basically, they do the same thing. In the end, you lose 20% of what you make if you have both. <laughs> Which I think is stupid. You, I, I think you um, got to pick one or the other because you also have to pay for a lawyer. But anyway. <laughs> but E, yeah, E is also cripplingly insecure because he's not making 10% of what Vince gets. He's making, like, a couple grand. He makes $4,000 uh, a month in cash yeah. from his friend. Uh, basically because he's not, like, really a manager. He wasn't out doing this in L.A. before Vince moved there. He's just Vince's friend. Um, and his only experience managing, as we said, is he was the night manager at a Sbarro. Right. And so a large part of E's storyline is, like, him trying to assert himself and being like, I can be a real manager <laughs> uh, type yeah. of thing. Stacy walked in on me watching the series at one point and said, that dude looks like Sean Astin if he was a bro instead of a hobbit. Oh my god! That's totally accurate! Which is exactly what he looks like, yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> this, I, I know why you married her. Holy yeah. moly. Well, the interesting part about E... Okay, now that we're talking about it, and I'm able to reflect back, <laughs> I feel like we could give the show and the characters way more depth then they give it, and who knows, maybe in, you know, subsequent seasons, it's, they actually go deeper into the psyches of each. But it's interesting that you bring up that he and Ari butt heads, and that he and Vince don't butt heads, it's because Vince, I'm thinking, like, males, right? I have my bro cap on. I'm thinking, like, yo, like, who, who can fuck who, and, like, girl-wise, but what about dudes? And if, if, if E was at the level of Ari to Vince... It, as far as like threatening, I don't think it would work because yeah. Vin, because Vince kind of looks down on E, but E actually does all the work. The, so he just doesn't take him seriously. And I think that's like a common theme for a lot of like straight dudes, which is like, I just want to be taken seriously in the things that I do. So I can see why a lot of guys like this show. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 
I mean, what are the things we should actually make a podcast about? What are the things that straight dudes worry about and see if it actually corresponds with the problems on the show? Okay, so <laughs> look. <laughs> Guys, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, uh, which is called As a Straight Dude. So. <laughs> All it is is just a lot of grunting and somebody going, I want to fuck. So, as a, as a straight dude, um, I'll tell you something that has never bothered me at all. Okay. Which is me reading a script for someone else and them not appreciating it. <laughs> something else. You mean guys aren't like girls who like want to be appreciated? Something else that has never bothered me is... Too many women want to sleep with me. That has <laughs> never happened to me. Oh I have n- I have been in that situation zero times. We made a huge mistake not having a guest host who is like <laughs> just a guy who's super fucks who's like, no, this is like accurate. <laughs> like we're we're just like a couple of nerds who like movies. Like we need like a Vincent Chase type person as a guest host and be like, yo, this is like super real to life. Like I have to say goodbye to all my hosts before I go out of town. <laughs> Like Vince did in episode seven. When I, uh, you know, when Nadia and I first talked about doing the podcast, everyone, um, you know, we were, we, we, we kind of, this was like the second idea that we had. The first idea that we had was we just watch all of the um, Vlogbrothers videos and shit on them. But then <laughs> this was, the, this was the second idea. And like, we talked about it and like, I think we got to a good place on it. But at no point, Nadia, did you say, I would rather do this with someone who fucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm not implying anything about your, your activities, extracurricular <laughs> activities. But I'm just saying like, we don't have this kind of perspective. And no. I think it's interesting that we're just like a couple of nerds who are watching this show so we can never relate. But like if we had someone who could, I kind of want to see what like, they say. And we'll do reviews later in the episode, but, like, ev- everybody fucking loved this show. Especially in the first season. They're like, this is a brilliant, razor-sharp <laughs> satire of Hollywood culture. And I'm like, no, it's fucking not. You know what's really funny is my boyfriend, Adam, he... he watched it when it came when it was out and he's like yeah it's like really funny and really stupid and really good and it's it's really dumb and but it's really cool because you see all this all the places in LA that are popular and yeah, you drive yeah. by it and it's really awesome and so we sat down and this was before Tony and I had decided to watch it we sat down and watched the yoga girlfriend episode <laughs> and in the middle of the episode he gets up and starts cleaning and I'm like what are you doing he's like this doesn't hold up I don't know <laughs> Like so, he said that I made him too woke to enjoy it. That's <laughs> really the highest compliment you could receive. I know uh, I did my job. But but I actually wrote down all of the times because Adam sat down with me to watch this whole first season because he's like, I want to watch it again. Why don't I like it? By the middle of episode one, he was up and, like, making food for himself and doing other things. And, you know, eventually started doing laundry when I was on episode four. And I would just write down the things he would say to me, which is... (laughs) Liking this show yet? Uh, Do you regret this yet? (laughs) Aren't you so sad you signed up for this? (laughs) And the whole time I was just like, yeah, dude, 
this is probably the worst thing ever. But Adam also pointed out that most of the dialogue is uh, sponsorships. So when oh, yeah. when Anna from the OC was asking the guys what drinks they wanted, a lot of them were like, oh, I'll just have water. And Johnny Drama says, can I have Welsh's grape soda? That was hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, and they all drink Budweiser. They all are sponsored by something. Uh, so Interesting. Like, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think at the time that it came out, it makes sense, but we are a little too woke as a society to let the, all of this slide again. Well... Then we should talk about Turtle, probably. Oh, um, fuck. So, you know, the first... Even, I want to just... Tr- I didn't... I stopped taking notes when <laughs> I was watching Turtle. I was just like, I can't... This is too much. The first question I wrote down was, did they even try with this? <laughs> <laughs> like, the fucking uh... tracksuit wearing, like, Yankee flat brim turned backwards... Like, his entire dialogue throughout the series is like, hey, good to see you. Hey, you like sucking cock, right? Ah, I'm just breaking your balls, man. Like, just like the most, I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to say the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah. Because uh, we're just all bros hanging out. Everybody needs the skeezy character. In, yeah. in you know, Arrested Development was Will Arnett. He was pretty skeezy. But he had... But he like, cared uh, so much about he magic. Cared, he cared so much about magic, but he also cared so much about being liked yes. by his family. And, and yes. we could have a whole episode about Joe Bluth. <laughs> but the thing about Turtle is that all he cares about is ass patrol. <laughs> He's like, hey man, check out the, check out the titties on that girl from Extra. Um, yeah, he was he was always uh, trying to hook up with Vince's leftovers. Is what he calls that, them. Yeah, it, it's insane. There's like multiple instances of this um, this care of, of women trying to sleep with Vince because like Vince brings like multiple girls back to his place. Only sleeps with one of them, and then whoever's left over is like, well, I guess I'll fuck Turtle. Nobody would ever do that. Like, there was a scene where he was, like, negotiating with this girl and being like, if you make out with me, I will have Vince, like, talk to you or whatever. And in the end, he gives her a pair of Vince's jeans. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's so interesting. And and, uh, E, the first interaction between E and Turtle in episode one, he says... Hey, Turtle, can you get laid without Vince? That's the question. And Turtle responds, do I give a fuck? That's the answer. So that's everything you need to know about Turtle. (laughs) Just, uh, the... Turtle... The other weird thing that I do not get about Turtle... Okay. ...is everybody, particularly the the celebrities... Yeah. They know who he is. (laughs) How can you forget though? And it's you're, like you're you're around Vincent Chase, who's this like like great movie star, whatever. And he always has these guys. Like Turtle is the most memorable. But the real question is, is why doesn't anyone hate him? Everyone's like and everyone's I like Turtle. Hey man, how's it going? I'm like, who is fucking learning the names of the celebrities' drivers <laughs> in this town? Which is what Turtle is. Oh um, God. The, you know, he drives everyone around in a giant yellow Hummer, which is weird because it's a different car than is used in the opening credits, which is a Lincoln Continental. Uh, And then uh, the only, like, in the pilot, in the first episode, um, E gets back at Turtle by putting an I Heart Cock bumper sticker 
on the back of the Hummer. And that's, like, supposed to be the biggest laugh line in the first episode. Yeah. What was he getting him back for? I don't even I don't remember. I don't fucking care or remember. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting that they have a character like this. And, like, who knows? Maybe in subsequent seasons he actually gets some sort of emotion. But he is, like, a sociopath. He's not interested in the fame, though. He's interested in all of the things that you reap from fame. Yes. Yeah, he has no... Right. And he is not trying to climb the social ladder uh, in Hollywood. Anything other than, you know, he he acknowledges that he is literally along for the ride. Yeah. He is not trying to make a name for himself in any way. My friend is famous, and that is good enough for me. Right. He's really homophobic. He Incredibly is a homophobic. Huge misogynist. And yet, I remember Turtle being the most popular character. Oh, by far. Yeah. So, what does that say <laughs> about our society <laughs> that I, we love t- this guy who is a little piece of shit? I don't understand it. He. One thing that made me laugh so fucking hard, though, was someone sent Vince a nude, but because it's 2004, that means they took and developed a photo of themselves and <laughs> and mailed it to him through the United States Postal Service, <laughs> which Turtle then uh, kept, just took. Yeah. And then eventually, eventually he, like, found that girl and asked her out as well. He did not only ask her out, he flew her out from... Like New Mexico or New something. New Mexico to come and hang yeah. out with Vince, but he really was just trying to hook up with her himself. And so obviously that didn't stupid. work out. But again, the stakes aren't high, so she was just like, ew, bye, and then she just left because bitches be crazy. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic, the way that their relationships are, where they're okay with using each other, but they're very good friends. Well, they're okay with using Vince, I think. Yeah. Um, another thing Turtle did at one point, there's an episode, it's the one that guest stars Gary Busey. So, um, (laughs) most of the time when there are celebrity cameos, as I understand it, in Entourage, the celebrity in question plays against type. Um, so Gary Busey, who we all think is an insane person, uh, (laughs) is putting on, like, an avant-garde art show at a gallery in West L.A. uh, in this episode, which is actually, that's kind of a funny, uh, concept. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, but Turtle, like, knocks over a piece of art and gets Gary Busey mad at him. Uh, so that, I wouldn't want Gary Busey to be mad at me either. No, I'd be, be terrified. To be um, fair. I'm trying to, like, look through my other notes about Turtle. He thinks Kelly Ripa is hot. I have that down for these some are reason. The things, these, are the, these are the things that they give him for character development. It's yeah. so weird. He a gets girl, a dog. He gets he gets an attack dog and he, dre- he they have to test it out at the home so he dresses in like full hockey pads and ha- it's like a doberman or something and has this dog just attack him. Uh, uh, this is a real ditches, thing. This is a real thing that people watch for fun. A girl ditches turtle at the club to uh go hook up with Jason Bateman instead, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that was good. He keeps using um, Vince's uh, publicist as well to get stuff so he can try and score with women. So there's a there's an episode where he tries to get um, Uggs for a girl he meets at the gym. And so he, like, calls Vince's publicist and is like, oh, Vince needs Uggs. And then he just gives them to the girl. Um, and then one of the, one of the dumber um, 
storylines is uh, Turtle is unable to locate any weed. Oh, this is the best episode because... In Los Angeles? Yeah, because, like, L.A., this was pre-clubs and dispensaries and things like that. Yeah. And so you you had to be super clandestine with <laughs> with how you got weed. And he couldn't find any weed anywhere until the vegan girlfriend was able to provide for them through a Sherpa played by Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's actually... A very good actor, and I think he's, he's so very good. funny in this. Yeah, he's very, very good. Uh, but like, these are the problems that these guys are going through. Like, they can't find weed. Uh, they don't want to do a gay scene. Uh, what are the other ones? They have an uh, attack dog. They can't find Scarlett Johansson's number. Yeah, the stakes are only high for Johnny Drama. I feel there's like. a there's a real conflict where Vince might consider signing with another agent. Oh yeah, that one is um, Ari Gold's assistant like became he Ari Gold says you never fire you never hire a male assistant because when you fire them they become a rival when you fire a female assistant she becomes a housewife which I think is just a great worldview oh um, 100%. probably transcribed verbatim from Ari Emanuel or William Morris yeah <laughs> Yeah, so so that episode they, they that's when you get to see a bunch of hot girls in bikinis uh, <laughs> shoot each other with Nerf guns and water guns, which is great. I want to <laughs> say one last thing uh, about weed in Los Angeles. So first of all, obviously all you listeners already know our point of view on this on the show, but we believe that smoking weed is a sin. The uh, uh, second thing is. <laughs> Let's take that again. (laughs) (laughs) The the second thing is, so when I lived in Hollywood, recreational weed was not legal in California yet, but medicinal was. Yeah. Um, And I lived in, I lived in Hollywood off of Franklin and my then girlfriend, now wife, lived in Glendale in the Valley. And basically there, there's a street, it's like once you cross Western, um coming from the valley like you are just hit with this wave of hot smell (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like which i i could not notice because i lived there like i i just had no idea anything was different i lived a block from you and i was the same way like every time my family would visit they'd be like why does it smell like weed and i'm just like it does oh uh i don't know (laughs) i just live with this (laughs) (laughs) anyways uh so we should uh so here's the thing about johnny drama oh my sweet sweet prince he's so wonderful um all he wants is to work hard and be successful um no you know what he he doesn't want it tony he's living it he is working hard yes he 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 did a a gender role reversal in his acting class and he did some of the vagina monologues which i really loved that's in that's in like the pilot right uh yeah or no it's yeah. a jessica alba episode yeah that's the pilot yeah I he um yeah he he is running lines from the vagina monologues and like i think the the audience was expected to laugh at a man you know reciting eventler's words but <laughs> you know johnny understands uh early on that gender is a construct which i think right. is great yeah. um he's so woke. He, yeah, he was the star of, like, a History Channel um, show called Viking Quest, so he has a little bit of a cult following, but he hasn't had a gig in a while. He keeps right. trying to get bit parts in Vince's films. Um, he has some sort of feud with Jimmy Kimmel. 
that he, uh, the, they reconcile over the course of the show, which I think is great. I'm really glad they did that. I realized, I, or I realized like a few episodes in, the reason I like him, I think, is in one episode he's wearing a Teamsters shirt. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's a union guy. I'm a union guy. That all makes sense. <laughs> I didn't uh, even notice. You know, the, the stuff with Johnny Drama hit really close to home for me because I also am not booking jobs a lot, but I am going out for auditions and things. He's not because he's kind of riding the coattails of his brother, uh, but which makes that better. But the, the, the weird part about it is that he's the only one who actually kind of feels anything at yes. any given time. He's the only one with any sort of emotional range. Yeah, but he also is really open about talking about it. And they just call him all kinds of names and basically emasculate him. Yes. But he's like, he's down. He knows what's up. He, he knows about the craft. But unfortunately, Vince has the better face. Yes. Which is so not fair. But I guess not, that's what life and, is. And, and like, <laughs> if, the, if the show was about that, I think it could be really good. Oh my god, um, can you imagine? Can we, can we just rewrite on spec Entourage season one? Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. And we make, <laughs> it, we make it about drama, and drama is this guy who works hard, he hustles, he goes to acting classes, he goes out for auditions all the time. Um, he's got an agent in, like, the lower floors of William Morris, uh, and, and, like, he's trying, but he's not getting everything he wants. Meanwhile, you got Vince, who's not trying at all, but because he's hot, he's getting everything he ever wanted. Uh... And what a, what a, there are so many comments you can make about Hollywood, about culture in general, about the fucking relationship between labor and capital to begin with. There's so much you can do. Um, the other thing, uh, just to, uh, other things I want to call about drama, um, when Vince starts doing yoga with his vegan girlfriend, drama's like, nah, I don't trust yoga, uh, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> the other thing is Vince's movie um, opens against a Pixar film. Uh, and uh, and I that's it was like Ice a, Age. Oh, was it Ice Age? Yeah, because they were talking about the squirrel. Yes, yes. Um and drama's line is like fucking cartoons man they got an advantage they get to draw everything (laughs) i I laughed at that oh he's really funny he actually had a lot of good lines maybe just you know matt dillon is that matt dillon uh kevin dillon matt dillon is the guy in crash and in and out in and out right okay so Kevin Dillon is a fantastic actor, just like oh, incredible. he's so good. And I, I believe everything. I believe everything he does, and even when he's being stupid and an asshole, I'm just like, this is great. But my favorite part was <laughs> that he had a really muscular girlfriend, yes. and he was really proud of it. He was just going around being like, my girlfriend is so hot. Oh my god! And the guy like, flex like, for him, babe. Flex for him. Yeah, and and it's just really sweet. He's actually the only one who's like respectful somewhat to his girlfriends and and then when she leaves everyone just tears him down that he's dating a man it's so like they're so mean to him they treat him so poorly and all he wants is to do the right thing and make vince breakfast (laughs) he's trying to have everybody eat healthily he's learning how to make tofu scrambles like it's he's so sweet and well-intentioned and that everybody tears him down and it's like if you guys were all more like drama i think you probably have more luck in life yeah so drama is ostensibly vince's trainer um and coach uh but really like he's just another guy that was uh, Vince's Ugh. buddy that just came out with him and now lives in the same house. 
Drama's his brother, bro. Yeah, and, and that as well. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, no, the, the crazy part is that he's older, and we get a lot of, like, backstory on it. They're actually half-brothers. Uh, he was 14 when Vince was born. And so, you know, things obviously changed for Drama in general once Vince started to, like, get older and all this other stuff. But he never holds it against Vince. He no, he never he, does. He doesn't hold a grudge. He's actually happy for his brother. This could be going in so many different directions for more dramatic tension, but they don't choose to do it, which I don't mind. But, like, he's probably the best, sweetest character, the one that you can hate the least. Absolutely. Uh, and, and he, the other thing is, there's an episode, it's very, it's very poignant, is he keeps meeting guys he used to act with. Oh, yeah. Uh, that are working as, like, caterers and stuff. And he's like, why are you working as a caterer? And they're like, well, I don't, ha- I'm not getting any jobs, man. Like, I need to do this. And Johnny starts to worry about, like, shit, am I ever going to get another acting job again? Yeah. Am I ever going to make it? And it's like literally yesterday when we're recording this. Yesterday they ran a story on like Fox News about this like uh, I forget the actor's name. The guy who was on the Cosby Show, not the main guy, uh, but a, <laughs> a different His son. Guy. Yeah. Yes, uh, who was like, oh, he's spotted in Trader Joe's bagging groceries. Which first of all, dude's trying to feed his family. Don't yeah. give him shit. And Fuck secondly. Off. By far, not the worst thing a cast member of the Cosby Show has been <laughs> caught doing. Horrible. It's really sad. I There's a lot to say about this show just being bad in general as far as, like, writing and stuff. I think production-wise, it's pretty cool. There's good shots. They have good... Yeah, they had plenty of money to do what they wanted. Yeah, but, like, the moral standing is that they take none. Uh, except yeah. for the ones who do are the ones who are stupid and being ter- torn down, which is Johnny yeah. Drama. And it's like, dude, like, this is the most real character, this is the most realistic for sure, and yet he is seen as the butt of the joke. And that makes me really sad. I feel like they they could make it more accessible to, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the audience for it, and I'm not the audience for HBO's Ballers, which I'm sure is the same people, just a little older. But, and it's with sports, yeah. And sports. But, like, I don't know. If, it's, if there's something out there that's made for, like, straight men, like, why not also teach them about how to be sensitive or, you know. But I guess that's just not who Mark Wahlberg is either. So, I don't know. Are you, are you suggesting... That Mark Wahlberg perhaps does not have a lot of emotional depth. <laughs> the man who beat up really... a blind Vietnamese man. Ugh. I'm actually really bummed out about it. I think, like, my energy is even dropping because I'm just sad <laughs> that, like, somebody who is so lovable and, like, a good person is seen as such a joke. And I feel like maybe, like, dudes who are more sensitive who might relate to Johnny Drama are like, oh, like, oh, cool, like, this, guy, this guy's kind of like me. And then everybody on the show is like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. What kind of message does that send? I know. It bums well, me out. Uh, well, we got one more main character to talk about. Uh, the most repulsive character, I think, in all of television. Uh, and that's Ari Gold, and he's doing deals, baby. He's doing deals, he's hustling. Hug it out, bitch! Hug it out bit. Which what is, is that? I learned what? it was an improvised line. 
Oh, you don't say. Yeah, you Kevin don't Connelly, say. The, Kevin the fucking is like a- writers' room didn't sit down and brainstorm and then land on "hug it out, bitch" after multiple revisions. <laughs> well, okay. The lore goes as such. Uh, Kevin Connolly is like a Howie Mandel type who doesn't like to be touched. Okay. And so Jeremy Piven was in the heat of the moment improvising and wanted to fuck with Kevin Connolly and just gave him a hug and said, hug it out, bitch. And he, that's why he's so uncomfortable when that happens. And that just like became like a funny thing that they just kept putting in the show. Oh, God. Um, there are two different scenes Ari is in where he's in a restaurant and the black outline is just him going, check, please. Oh, yeah! <laughs> the writing isn't great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, ju- he is just the most amoral, uh, slimiest, um, get-rich-at-all-costs agent uh, which, based on everything I have read about Ari Emanuel, is is just a, a reflection of this actual person as well. Oh, uh, I thought it was just, like, based on him and not based on his activities. Nope. No, Aye. it's just, he's just a, just a cutthroat, awful person who just loves screaming fuck you over the phone and saying stuff like, this is, yeah, this is the episode where... Um, Vince's movie opens. Ari calls E from the golf course early in the morning saying, quote, I already shot a 72, bitch. Hot, li- hot teens are lining up to support our boy. Why aren't you awake? Like, that's his whole character. Yeah, he is interesting. Uh, I understand the level of energy that they need, and Jeremy Piven is a really good actor. He not like I'm not saying he's a great person. He's a great actor, except for when he quit... Uh, that show, that uh, Mamet show on Broadway with Lindsay Lohan because he couldn't memorize his lines. Uh, <laughs> then he said he had mercury poisoning from eating sushi, but whatever. Uh, the whole thing about Ari Gold is that he brings this like great energy and he's really loud and he just doesn't give a fuck and he's gonna get money and he's gonna fuck a lot of bitches. But he's actually like a spineless like guy who doesn't it's not totally confirmed that he actually does fuck around because he's he's pretty whipped by his by his wife and like does whatever she says yeah but he okay so let's talk about his wife who in season one is not given a name um it's mrs mrs ari is what they mrs ari yes Um, so he, like, there are multiple times when he just runs out on his wife because of some sort of Vince or E-related emergency, (laughs) um, including right before they're about to, uh, have sex, um, or right before they're about to go on a date or see a movie or something, um, just, you know, and just, I think you're right that it's not confirmed that he's actually cheating on his wife, but he, he talks about it as though he is. Right. Um, he's just like, guess who I'm fucking? And then he's like, yeah, no, I've been to Tokyo. I was there when uh, when uh, Sophia shot Lost. It's twice as boring in real life. A reference to Lost in Translation, that movie we all remember. Uh. And so, yeah, I had to look that one up. Um, so I'm like, is this Lost, the TV show? That didn't shoot in Japan. Uh, so <laughs> in any event, he just, he treats his wife, I mean, He's pretty whipped by his wife. He talks a big game to her, but I guess he doesn't exactly treat her like shit. He treats Emily, his assistant, like shit. Uh, when he sends Emily to this party to keep an eye on Vince and make sure he doesn't 
it, to make sure he doesn't uh, sign with another agent. He's like, Emily, you want to be a hero or are you a coward? Storm that beach like it's fucking Normandy. It's like this this is the a dumb actor that you signed that maybe will sign with another guy. <laughs> Like, come the fuck well, out. Well, okay, so then I remand what I say. The stakes are high for Johnny Drama and Ari Gold. It's such a... I wrote this down. It is such a stupid amount of power to go to someone's head. Hollywood is a stupid fucking joke. I'm sorry. I'm getting <laughs> a lot madder than I thought I would. Oh, it's okay, though. You can every time, Every time Ari was on screen, it was just like, talk to me, bitch. What's going on? I was just... I was so angry at him. I wanted to punch him through the screen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the stakes are so low. I can't get as as heated as you are. I'm just like, I get it. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I get why this is made. I get why people like it. But Ari Gold is, he's just necessary. He, the other guys are not great actors. They don't bring as much energy except for Johnny Drama. And like this Ari Gold character can arguably do every scene without them and carry yeah. the whole show. I would agree that without him, even less would happen in the show, and, like, only <laughs> two things happened in all eight episodes that I watched. Um, and it's just... Uh, it's just, like, he is so... I don't understand... First of all, again, this actor in this role won three Emmys. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like... I don't know. When I evaluate characters, and I am not an expert on this by any means, but when I evaluate characters, I want to at least kind of like them. Sure. Um, well, but, you know, it's it's also valid to have an unlikable character become likable. I think those characters okay. are also just as compelling. However, yes. we don't get that with pretty much anybody but Johnny Drama. Okay, Ari has another line. Hang on, here we go. Um... Call me Helen Keller because I'm a fucking miracle worker. Oh, yeah. That was good. First of all... So bad. (laughs) The miracle worker was Annie Sullivan. How dare you? (laughs) You don't fact check your scripts? (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Secondly, uh, that's kind of in bad taste. Um, And they're like... There. Uh, what? What's the other one? Oh, um. Uh. Ari. Hey, Vince got the part. I don't know who blew who, but you did it. Like, and that's when E organizes the sit down with this producer, um, on the indie movie that Vince wants to do, and then they like, they hook him up with weed, and then the producer's like, I'm gonna have to lie at my NA meeting again. And it's like just that, like that. That's like. That's not good writing. It's not good writing. <laughs> what Tony, is this? It's a what is this show? show? It's a beloved show about bros being bros. This is where bromance came from. They go to Pink's in one episode, and Pink's is bullshit. Pink's, Pink's is, is bullshit. so bad. Pink's yeah, is so bad. They also went to Earth Cafe, which is great. I love Earth Cafe. Uh, okay. They, you see shots of the Ivy. You see, uh, what else? Uh, it's all like I bullshit. Assume, it's all bullshit places that you know I about, but nobody the billboard. Goes. The billboard for Brother Bear had to be over the El Capitan Theater, right? It did, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I saw that. And I wrote that down immediately, so I wouldn't forget. And I'm really glad because I looked up the reviews for Brother Bear, and I forgot about the movie. And basically, they remade it into Brave. 
Oh, it's the same. Oh, it's that's the same. It's the same story, but they just changed the gender, and, and but there's the, still a bear. Right, and brother bears like um, like Alaskan or something, right? And brave yeah, Scottish. I guess yeah. that was during the Disney Renaissance that didn't go well with the. Uh, in addition to which was Atlantis. Oh yeah, that Atlantis. didn't do well. See, that's more interesting than the show. <laughs> uh, um, look, okay. Let me let me just say something. Okay. I've been trying to collect my thoughts. Because I was defending this show pretty hardcore because it's, it's something you can just have on. It's something you don't need to pay attention to. The stakes are really low. You're not going to get stressed out like you would watching a Breaking Bad or a Game of Thrones. It's, it's something, quote, fun. And it's very bro-y because in every frame there's a girl with some sort of skin showing. You know, I, I but not a lot of skin. That's the weirdest thing. It was like, it was like bare shoulders and like some midriff. But like I said, we don't see titties until episode eight. <laughs> well, okay, but like every episode had a bunch of girls around all the time, and in my yes. head, I'm like, yes. that's not, that's really not what LA looks like. But I get no. it. A lot of this is what everyone wants LA to be. And I think that is why people love it. And I think because maybe we lived in LA and we're really bitter about the lifestyle and about Hollywood <laughs> and just like how actually shitty it is and how dirty it is and how it smells and how there's bad air quality and it's all really bad, but we're here anyway. Like, except for you, you made an escape and you're probably, you probably have more clear lungs than I do. But like everyone else who doesn't live in LA always asks me, how awesome it is. They don't say like, oh, how is it? They go, how awesome is it? Because and, of shows it, like this. And it bears mentioning, like, when I lived there, I really liked living there. Yeah, it's so fun to live here. It TBH. is so fun to live there, yeah. But nobody uh, that I know lives this way. I no. don't think anybody could unless they were like, you know, Mark Wahlberg. But right. I understand the draw of it. I think it's really shitty that, like, they have to tear down women and that they have to, like, tear down each other, and yet is the, the whole theme is, like, male friendship. Which begs the question, Tony, because you are a man, please yeah. let me know what your relationships are with men, because from what I can understand is there's no intimacy except for breaking each other's balls. So this is, this is a great question, um, and I think the my knee-jerk reaction, I think it's a very interesting answer, is I did not have a lot of uh, good male friendships until I moved to L.A. What? Uh, I know. I am um, so surprised. I had, like, I had a couple good guy friends in college, but most of my friends in college uh, were women. Okay. Um, And then... Uh, then after college, I lived in Ohio for a year, and then I moved out to L.A., and I, um, I, when I started doing comedy stuff, uh, and started connecting with, like, other performer, or, you know, performers and aspiring actors and aspiring writers and stuff like that, um, that was, like, the first time when I was like, oh, I have, like, real friends that are guys Aww. that I'm friends with. Um, and it was because we were all working on this creative pursuit together and, and stuff like that. I would say it took me a long time to grow 
to a point where I could have good male friendships. I don't know. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting because, like, uh, I've been talking to a lot of dudes, including my boyfriend, who are, he's around a lot of guys and has been around a lot of guys who immediately step back when they're like, oh, no, this is too personal. If something kind of goes into personal land and spend a lot more time talking about what's trending on Twitter and like what music they're listening to. But to have like an intimate thing about like, like fears and like all that stuff is just not something that they touch upon. And I Mm -hmm. find it interesting that I'm learning about that and then watching this show and being like, oh, like maybe it's like a cultural thing. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. I mean, there's um, not just Entourage, but there are plenty of shows uh on network as well where um the the most significant man-to-man interaction is just you know giving each other shit right yeah um because like in in contrast and i know a lot of women and maybe female identifying people can attest to this uh but as soon as you're hanging out with a group of women i'm gonna say two plus you, you form a whipped of witches coven pretty quickly. <laughs> it's like hopes and dreams are shared. Uh, secrets are told and kept. And it's, it's a very strong emotional support system. Whereas I feel like dudes aren't giving emotional support. It's just being like there for each other physically. I think that's, uh, I think that's by and large very accurate. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's very fascinating to see this, uh, heightened to this level where mm-hmm. it's like none of them are really like talking about their hopes and feelings this isn't a drama no, obviously but you know they're they're heightening this idea of like dude buds like having a good time and blah 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 blah. but i'm wondering if they could have done even more so that maybe the other guys could have gotten emmy nominations for their dramatic acting or like thinking about what kind of message they want to send to men besides okay chicks are hot but again mark Wahlberg doesn't think this deep (laughs) no he definitely does not um just a couple other things on la i want to make sure knock out so we already covered pinks it's bullshit do not go there yeah um the only good thing pinks ever did was they were in a nathan for you episode Uh, oh yeah i forgot about that it was a very good episode too Um, yeah uh the other thing, um, Grauman's Chinese Theater, uh, which is now probably owned by somewhere else, someone else, uh, is is terrible. You're gonna want to go visit there. Uh, <laughs> there is no need to do that. Uh, you're gonna be like, oh, we're gonna make a day of it. Let's go see the handprints. You're gonna go there. Five minutes later, you're like, I do not feel safe. I want to leave. It's the worst. It's also, the worst. don't take pictures with any of the characters because they will overcharge you. Yes. And uh, just make sure to wear walking shoes. <laughs> the opening, yeah, the opening credits of this show are basically um, the, the, the Fab Four driving down Hollywood Boulevard in a Lincoln convertible. Um, Hollywood Boulevard is trash. Yes. Uh, it is pure, it is, and by the way, it's not like hot people crowding outside of nightclubs. If you drive down there at night, it is largely empty. Uh, yes. There are big flickering lights reflecting the emptiness in your soul and the soul <laughs> of, of yes. uh, a consumerist culture. Yes. Uh, so. I think if you want to go somewhere like this, you should just go down Melrose, but not the cool part of Melrose. You're going to go left, uh, you're going to go west of La Brea. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that you'll get to where you want to be. 
Going down Fairfax, that's that's fun. Maybe try that out. Yeah, yeah, that's actually in my neighborhood. So let me know if you're in town, and I'll, I'll yeah. come see you at Cantor's. Uh, yeah, did Cantor's ever? Uh, the last time I saw you, which was like a year ago now, we were like, you were like, we can't go to Cantor's because they got a C health rating. Did they ever fix that? Oh, okay. I just have to correct you. They had a D health rating, <laughs> and Rati. A good friend, Rati, was like, I don't know if we should go here, but we found out after we ate there. And <laughs> it has gone back up to an A. Okay, good for them. So check out Cantor's, guys. Really, but really I have fun. to say, the A was on the front part where the bakery was, and the C or the D was on the other door that nobody Oh, the restaurant down. door? Yeah, but now they're both A, so it's fine. But they were fucking with people, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, LA sucks, uh, but it's great. <laughs> It's great, all at, all it, at the same it, time. It's great, but also it sucks. Yeah. Another thing that I, I kept track of, of course, is uh, keeping track of the POC represented on the show. <laughs> yes, I'm really interested to hear what you got with this. I got a total of four people who are people of color. One is a hot chick. She was Asian. And uh, spe- specifically, I'm not sure... Uh, what her role was besides wanting Uggs from Turtle. (laughs) So that's that. So she's money-grubbing, I guess. And then the other three were from the pilot, and they were the gardeners and the maid. The gardeners' names, I wrote these down, were Jorge. Uh, Kevin Connolly says, Jorge, check out this shot, and kicks a soccer ball, and it (laughs) runs into the other actor who plays the other gardener, and this was an improvised line by Kevin Connolly. He said, so sorry, Roberto. Because uh, you couldn't plan <laughs> that happening. Uh, and then when he walked into the house, there was a housekeeper, and he said, hi, Blanca, which is another stereotypical name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you can count Jessica Alba as a person of color, but she's also a famous person. So I don't know if she counts as a person at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so but yeah. Oh, we're, and we're I just want to I just want to point out that the real entourage that includes all these other guys also included someone who was African American, who in all of the research that I've done has no name. <laughs> but there was an additional black guy as a part of their entourage, but he's not represented on the show. Okay. Okay. So God, that's where we. Just, that's where we're at. Uh, well. <laughs> Um, we talked about how dumb this show is. Yes. But we need to we need to learn what other people thought of it when it first came out. Uh, so <sighs> let's do reviews. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ken Tucker, writing for Entertainment Weekly, gave the show an A minus. Wow. Quote: As a profane peek into current showbiz, Entourage is excellent, dirty fun. Entourage's executive <laughs> producer is Mark Wahlberg. Who knows, especially from his Marky Mark days, how hangers-on behave and the ambivalence they have towards the guy who's the center of attention. He, and writers like creator Doug Ellen and Larry Charles, are terrific at conveying the way Hollywood life is a swirl of star-spotting, deal-hustling, and endless car-driving. Yeah, I know. Only one of those is true. Uh, Each entourage is just a half hour, packed firm with laughs. At its best, (laughs) at its best, it's a sitcom that works as a critique of the industry. All this, plus Sarah Silverman playing herself, rebuffing a slimy come-on from Piven's Ari by exclaiming reproachfully, I take Krav Maga with your wife. 
as drama might say, that's cold, man. <laughs> so, I know, Nadia, you're thinking, well, Tony, Entertainment Weekly, what do they know? Give me an actual thing smart people read. So here's Alessandra Stanley writing for the New York Times. Oh, yay! So you're like, oh, the New York Times, the paper of record. Uh, surely they thought Entourage was just... Like, the best thing they could have possibly written about Entourage was like, yeah, this is dumb and empty and shallow, but it's kind of fun. Right. That is not what they wrote. Mm. <laughs> Alessandra Stanley wrote, quote, Nothing on network television is as smart, original, and amusing no. as Entourage. No! <laughs> oh, Set no. in Hollywood green rooms, Cadillac Escalades, pool parties, and the hip Melrose Avenue clothing store Fred Siegel... Entourage stands out for many reasons, but the most obvious is that it sidesteps all the usual television genres to introduce a new anthropological species, a young Hollywood subculture with its own language and rights. Their hapless, br their hapless brushes with agents, publicists, Rolls-Royce dealers, Mexican gardeners, pop stars, business managers, and sexy bimbos are beautifully <laughs> observed and often wickedly funny. Aye, if the series has television antecedents at all, they are The Larry Sanders Show, which is bullshit. The Larry Sanders Show is a million times better than this, <laughs> and Curb Your Enthusiasm, but Entourage owes, owes the most to Swingers, which oh. actually, I kind of agree with that assessment, uh, which brings me to my next point, which is that we should watch Swingers for the show. Oh, definitely. Actually, the uh, fun fact is Vincent Chase was named after Vince Vaughn. Uh, because oh, no they, kidding. they originally wrote the script so that Vince Vaughn could play the lead, uh, but huh. they, they changed his last name to Chase just for the sake of the script. There's an actual person named Vincent Chase who sent a cease and desist letter to Warner Brothers, but, <laughs> but uh, in the end they were just like, whatever, it didn't work out, and Vince Vaughn obviously just became a movie star instead. So, yeah. they, I mean, I may, it makes sense. Yeah. I think maybe um, they took the... I don't know, I'm a big John Favreau fan, so I think they were like, let's do a John Favreau and write our own thing, but let's yeah. not make it smart at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, for most improbably for, this is still the New York Times, most improbably for a series dedicated to a dense young actor and his parasitic posse, there is a certain sweetness peeking through the satire. At long last, a clueless for lads. Oh, a clueless for lads how Jesus dare they how Christ, dare yeah. they include clueless as anything oh my I, god i really wanted to make sure that i got that in because i knew you would be pissed i am off so pissed it. clueless is one of the greatest movies ever made <laughs> um okay next review this is a staff review from the hollywood reporter so it does not have a byline um quote Entourage shows us that comedy isn't really dead. It's merely been snoozing. So, okay, so first of all... What was going on at the time? Will and Grace and Arrested Development was out. This is the peak of comedy. Imagine, imagine living in 2004. Arrested Development is on TV. Oh, my God. Scrubs is not terrible yet. Uh, <laughs> Taron Killam's not on Scrubs yet. Yeah, Taron Killam's not on Scrubs yet, and uh, and 
being like, uh, comedy's dead. Wait, what's this? Entourage? Oh my gosh, comedy's been saved. Oh like, my god. Okay. Uh, packed with brutal showbiz truths and snappy dialogue, the half hour is revelatory. Revelatory! In the clever way <laughs> it, spotlight, it spotlights the empty shell of celebrityhood and the party-hardy superficiality of those caught up in its reflected glow. And watch for this to be Piven's breakout role, which... Oh, that's was, true. Yeah. That was accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To- for sure. Okay, so another review. <sighs> I have two reviews left. It's another one that pisses me off and then one which I love. Okay. Um, unironically. Um, Robert Bianco writing for USA Today... Who could have guessed self-indulgence and sycophancy could be so appealing? Based on the real-life Hollywood adventures of Mark Wahlberg, Entourage is the almost shockingly entertaining story of an incredibly unlikely set of sitcom heroes. Sure. What could have been a recipe for disaster, or at the very least for one of those HBO shows people respect more than enjoy, is instead an unassuming treat. Uh, like the, and then, uh, what makes this show work is not the style, but the substance. <laughs> like, this, sh- this show has no substance. This show is only style. Ellen and a uniformly strong cast give us a rooting interest in each of these characters. Uh, it, the show is sure fun to watch, and that may be the summer's most pleasant surprise. Wow. Um, so, the one good review of this show. You mean the one where they go in where they review the show accurately sure 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 the one accurate review of the show uh came after the whole series ended so this was in 2015 and this was by gil ozeri uh oh my god gil ozeri is like one of the greatest improvisers ever great improviser uh wrote for happy endings wrote for brooklyn 99 a very very funny man and in 2015 in 2015, decided to spend 57 consecutive hours awake watching all of Entourage in a row. Are you serious? Yes, to see what would happen to his brain. Uh, So he live-streamed it. Uh, Most of the time, he was with the two other very funny people, uh, Adam Pally, uh, of course, who is an actor on Happy Endings, and John Gemberling, who might be best known for uh, being Abby's uh, roommate's boyfriend on Broad City. Bevers! Yes. (laughs) Uh, So... Gil Ozeri, by the way, also did the same thing for every episode of Two and a Half Men, where he watched the entire series in oh one sitting. Oh my god, I love Gil Ozeri, he's so funny! And, and Two and a Half Men, by the way, was on for like 200 episodes, um, so that one really hurt him. Uh, so, but he wrote it up, uh, he live-tweeted it, but he also wrote up the experience for Vulture, uh, and it's hilarious, it's a pretty long article, and I'm not gonna read all of it, so we should post it, and I would encourage folks to read it, but he does say overall, quote, for a good majority of the marathon, I was beyond exhausted, my brain felt like gelatin, uh, but here were his main takeaways from the series, number one, (laughs) three-dimensional women are not the focus of entourage no uh he says uh i know i know how groundbreaking uh you are probably already aware that aside from the occasional girlfriend who got in the way of the boys smoking and screwing there were not many decent roles for women on entourage yeah during the 
During the marathon, we jotted down some statistics. These ranged from the pointless, every time the boys drink tap water, which is ten times, to the very pointless, every time Vince wears a graphic t-shirt with a bird on it. That's five times. But the most interesting stat was how many times women talk to each other on the show. So this is kind of like a Bechdel test type thing, right? Yeah. The, the number is staggeringly low. Eight and a half times. Oh my god. That's right. The number of times that two or more women actually had a conversation with each other, a single back and forth dialogue, was only eight and a half over the course of the entire series. Wait, did he also the, do the movie or just, just the series? I think he just did the series. Wow. And the longest conversation I can remember happening between two women was when they discussed having a threesome with one of the boys. Oh, by the boo. way, By the way, you might be wondering, Gil, why the half? It was a conversation between two women, but they were separated by a closed door. Uh, a female PA knocks on a dressing room door and oh asks God. a woman inside the room if she's ready to go on a talk show, and that woman responds, yes, that was the whole exchange. Oh my God. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't doubt it. Skipping ahead a little bit in uh, his article, he gets to point four, which is Johnny Drama really, really loves to cook breakfast. So the times, <laughs> the times Drama cooked breakfast for the boys over the course of the series uh, was 29 and a half. Oh my God. <laughs> He orders breakfast for everyone just once. Uh, he talks about breakfast without cooking it just once. Three times in the series, he was angry that someone else cooked breakfast instead of him. Uh, he cooked breakfast once in the series for a horse. Uh, and there was one time in the series when a dead bird fell in drama's breakfast. Oh my God. He also... Uh, the fifth thing he took away, real-life entourage is scarier than TV entourage. Uh, and he writes that late on Saturday night, after 30 hours without sleep, we were visited by three guys we'd never met before. <gasps> oh my god. Th they had been invited without my m knowledge. It was a guy named Hamster from Mark Wahlberg's crew in the Entourage movie, uh, Chris, Chris Gronkowski, uh, who is New England Patriot Rob Gronkowski's brother, and their friend. They joined me and some other guests on the couch, and you could feel the mood had changed instantly. Oh my god! Since they had a connection to Wahlberg and to Entourage, we thought they might just be there to mess with us. It was genuinely creepy. We eventually realized they were just drunk, but that didn't make things any better. Any better. <laughs> Grinkowski, who is a gigantic human, was totally wasted. The others were fine, but Grinkowski was inappropriate to my sister, who was watching on the couch with us. Oh, no. Gemberling pointed out, this is what it would probably be like to be friends with the Entourage crew in real life, <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> Just uncomfortable and yeah, terrifying. And, yeah, and then Ozeri wraps up this much longer article by saying, I guess you could say the show is escapist junk food, but it's hard to want to be part of the gang when they're always ex super excited about making moves 24-7, and banging chicks. Who wants to aspire to be them? Do they even have families? Have they ever celebrated a holiday? I bet if you asked E what Thanksgiving was, he'd stare blankly in your face and his nose would start to bleed. <laughs> it's true, we never see them celebrate anyone's birthday or a holiday. <laughs> 
or anything. I just, the experience of watching this show was so just sad and unpleasant for me. Um, do you have any uh, any reviews, any uh, any additions, any commonsensemedia.org? I do. I have a lot of commonsensemedia.org, actually. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about the talk to your kids about section. <laughs> it says, families can talk about their perception of what Hollywood is and whether that whether or not they're accurate. That is hilarious because, first of all, who knows what Hollywood really is, except if you're there. But whatever. Talk about that with your five-year-old. Is it also, a- also most people there do not know what it is. Exactly. It says, is, uh, is life under the limelight as glamorous as it seems, or is it just smoke and mirrors and special effects? Which I think is a valid question. In, sure. many, in many ways, is it just like any other workplace? And how does a superstar keep it real in a place built on fakery? Is it possible to stay grounded? So I guess what they're trying to do is just kind of point out the problematic stuff of it. Uh, the, my favorite part of the kids' reviews, though. Uh, okay, this one is from Teen, uh, whose username is Can't Think of One, which is really funny. <laughs> it's one of those, yeah. Yeah, Teen 15. One of those, like, hey, hey guys, my handle on Reddit is clever name here. Uh, yes. Check me out. <laughs> Okay, age 15, gave it four stars. Good show for older teens, but awkward to watch with parents. Yeah, no shit. First of all, this is a really good show. It has good storylines, good acting, and it's pretty funny. Personally, it's a better show for someone around my age to be watching, rather than one of those Disney Channel shows that should only really appeal to seven-year-olds. Sure, it's a mature show, but will a year and a half, when the law says it's okay to watch, really make a difference? If your kid is still watching shows on Disney and Nickelodeon, then this probably isn't for them. But if not, then the show is good for teens. (laughs) I love that this kid is already becoming, like, hardcore libertarian. (laughs) Like, Sob Sit, Ron Paul. Can't think of one. (laughs) Just like, uh, yeah, okay, the law says something, but think about how practical the law is. (laughs) It's so good. Um, hold on, there's, there's a few more here. Uh, if you don't mind a nip slip here and there, says kid, says kid, eleven years old. <laughs> good show. It's a good show for a tween slash teen and up. Great show. It's hilarious and a great story. Just gets a little showy as far as the girls goes. Winky face. Uh. Teen, uh, 13 years old, uh, a username Clions14, I think he's lying, uh, HBO does it again, both good and bad. This is a mind-blowing television program on HBO. I'm reading the, the misspelling here. Emphasis okay. on HBO. HBO doesn't censor their programs from nudity to coarse language, which all can be found here. I hate to say it, but it's just overall inappropriate. And yet, I still give it five stars. Not all episodes include sexual content, but when they do, it is moderately graphic, occasionally showing nudity. As for the language, if you are worried about it, do not watch this show, because it goes fairly overboard. Not in comparison to other HBO programming, but in network programming. And drugs. They are constant, no, contently abused. Some illicit, others not. Turtle owns a tequila company. Oh, (laughs) This kid carries a briefcase to school. (laughs) It's 
it's really funny. The the parents though, their reviews are uh this is a parent of a 13-year-old written by user Doc Painter. Uh five stars. Save it for the adults. I'm a 50-something chick who totally loves this show. Used to live in SoCal, and it is very true to life out there. It's sex in the city for guys. Lots of swearing, <sighs> game playing, and trying to get laid. This one I say for late at night, after my teen is in bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the, the uh, reviews that I wrote, I read, sorry, uh, said it was sex in the city for guys. Uh, Common Sense Media even writes, not since Sex and the City has an ensemble friendship been dissected with such brutal honesty. I think it's insane but, to compare it to Sex and the City. I just... And Sex I and the not, City does seen, not hold up, either. We I can, have seen maybe three episodes of Sex and the City. We can 100% uh, do Sex and the City as an episode. Uh, I watched the movie recently. That doesn't hold up either. Oh, I'm sure the movie's terrible. But the the female relationships in the Sex and the City is is more true to what it's like, where I mean, yes. we're, we're creating a coven. So to, com- right. to compare like, it, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> if, if, the, if the takeaway, like the takeaway from what you just read sounded like this is a brutally honest dissection of male relationships and if that's the is this like some sort of incredibly double blind under the radar thing where we're like we're gonna create a show about male friendships and then they just put out you know uh uh four times a 24 full hours of just the most vapid empty breaking each other's balls, doing nothing but hitting golf balls off your roof. And is this HBO making a pointed statement about male friendships are nothing? (laughs) Well, like I said, if you don't want to think and you don't give a shit about misogyny, the show is for you. Okay, but like, if, if you're, if both of those things are true... Is this the podcast you want to listen to? I, I mean, I'm not going to turn away listeners. I'm certainly not. We appreciate that you all listen. And folks, you can subscribe on uh, Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, you know, SoundCloud. We got new episodes every two weeks. We're not going to turn folks away. But, but is this... What's it got? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this show has had a lot of success. Obviously, it had a spinoff movie. There's also a South Korean TV series that is also called Entourage with the same storyline. It's a little, obviously, different to fit in the culture. But it, uh, it's, it was a massive thing. It was something that everybody watched and talked about and yeah. never saw again after it ended. Because who could do this just as well? <laughs> I mean, it, it is well done. It is a, they got great locations. They had great guest stars. Whatever it was, it was lightning in a bottle, but it doesn't hold up. It doesn't portray anything realistically except for Johnny Drama's plight as being a broke actor. But, you know, to each his own. Different strokes for different folks. I'm not going to hold it against anybody if they watch this and like it. I will be holding it against you. <laughs> I am judging you. I, I am sh- judging you. Do you remember when we were talking about all the audience members at that Jeff Dunham show? <laughs> I am judging you with the same contempt that I have for them. I don't know. I think, I don't know. Maybe it's because I listen to Howard Stern sometimes and I just, it doesn't bother me because I know that 
the people who actually take in what he says and what they say on that show as the truth are probably dumb and watching Entourage. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I can separate it to know that at least we're not there anymore. That, that Entourage 2004 could not happen again. No, I don't think they would have. I, I don't think they would make a series anything like this today. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... Let's be real, we all were problematic in 2004. We all had a lot of shit that we re really needed to learn. And the first thing that we all really needed to learn is not to let Mark Wahlberg do anything. <laughs> but, you know, you know, we, people are letting Mel Gibson do movies now, so it could be worse. <laughs> so on that note... <laughs> Was that fair? I feel like that... I don't know. No, I think, that, I think that's fair. I'm trying I, to be I also, fair. Everybody can like whatever they want. I don't want to be yeah. like an asshole that's like, Fun. fuck you Folks, if you watch this. We live in a miserable world. Like, just find find things you love and love them. It's okay. But this one <laughs> is a, a weird one to choose to love. Yeah, this is definitely a weird one. I'll, I'll keep watching it with you if you guys are down. I'll definitely watch season two. I know that Vincent Chase actually has drug problems in season seven, and it gets really dark, and I, I'm, I'm interested. I, I would be amenable to a season two episode. Um, <laughs> not, not right away. Okay, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you relax. Okay. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks so much. Sorry that we made you watch this. La la la